EFTM. This is the EFTM Podcast. EFTM Podcast. Welcome to EFTM. Get in touch anytime. Go to the website EFTM.com or you can tweet us at EFTM, Trevor Long and the Bowen here. G'day, Bodog. G'day, Trev. Great to be here again. We made a commitment to our audience uh, in a recent episode. It might have even been the most recent one. I believe it was. That uh, after the Billy Birmingham yep. chat, which was just ad hoc, it was a momentary decision to go, hang mm. on, we're going to talk cricket. Mm. We, we have to talk to the 12th man. That's, mm. that's cricket to me. Mm. And we sort of thought, egotistically, yep. we, we know a few people. We've been around for a while in the media, 20 years or so. We've got a few contacts in our mobile. Yeah, and, um, and while I'm happy to find anyone on the planet that someone suggests, yeah. we do our best. I'm, m- most people are pretty hard, but yep. don't ask me to Elon Musk. That might be a bit of a rush right now or <laughs> Donald Trump. But, you know, I think it's interesting. If people have some burning desire or they think there's some connection between us mm. or, or the style of content that we do and a person – well, we'll try. We've worked in radio long enough to track people down. We'll try. Mm. But to make it a bit easier, we went, who's in the, what they used to call it, Rolodex? You know, who's in you know, <laughs> the, you know, what? The, the Rolodex, the little little thing that has oh, phone numbers. Oh, mate, that's before my time. I mean, seriously, I know you're, I, you're over 40. I'm 37. Oh, yeah. So, so yes. we've, we've whipped out the smartphone contact list. Yeah. And uh, we've, we've come up with a cool list of yeah. people we're going to try and contact over the next little while. Yep. We're going to challenge ourselves to see whether they'll bother jumping mm. on the phone or maybe coming here to the, mm. to the studio to have a chat. But I, get, I have the great pleasure of chatting to this, our next guest mm. every single week. Mm. He does a radio show in Perth uh, on 6IX on Saturday mornings. Um, and I've known him for long enough that he knows I know tech and he knows I do radio spots and he's lazy enough to want to fill five minutes with me. Mm. So that's that's what he does every single week. And this bloke is the very definition of a household name across yeah. demographic spanning from, I'd suggest even 30 upwards. Hmm. I think he suggests 40, but I'd say 30. If you're in your 30s, you know who this bloke is. That's right. And um, I think he's a great individual to uh, uh, formally kick off the, uh, the, the EFTM man cave. Um, which is what we should should describe this as. We're bringing a few people into the man in cave, the cave for a chat about not just it's not going to be a career chat, but mm. just reminisce mm. a bit, uh, talk about what's happening in the world, yeah. uh, but also get a bit of a sense of their their touch of with tech and cars. Yeah, this isn't going to be this is your life sixty minutes. You're not about to become Parco. No, um, it's just a chit chat, as you said. Just we'll a just chit-chat. shoot the breeze, see how it goes, bounce a few questions here and there, and basically just have a conversation. And we thought we'd kick it off with baby John Burgess. Here it is, the Fantastic Ford Best Even Trio. And a host of fabulous prizes, all just waiting to be won on the greatest wheel around, Wheel of Fortune. And now to get things spinning, the star of the show, John Burgess. And uh, to get things spinning here on the EFTM podcast, we said we would do interviews with amazing people, famous people. And we've gone straight to the top and the great... John Burgess joins us on the line. G'day, Burjo. <laughs> G'day, Trev. Uh, hello, Bowen. G'day, Burjo. <laughs> Great to talk to you. I'm very well. I'll tell you what, just hearing that, Burjo, takes me back to my grandparents in the late 80s. I can smell their cooking. I can smell their carpet. What a time that was. <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah, well, Good. well, you know, I was old then. So. <laughs> oh, now, now. <laughs> It was, it was, well, it was a good time. Yeah, great time. Do you reckon the wheel is is the is the thing that you're most uh, recognised for still? I would suspect so. Yeah, mm. I, I'd suspect so. I mean, uh, well, I did it for twelve years, so mm. it's a fair while. And then, uh, and of course, I did catchphrase after that uh, on the Nine Network. Uh, so it was for eight years, so about twenty years at five thirty. So it's a fair amount of time to be popping up into people's lounge rooms at the. At that time of the uh, the evening, when a lot of people were sort of uh, you know 
sitting around waiting for dinner. Well, we'll reminisce a bit more about TV in a minute. I want to talk technology oh. first, Burjo, because you I've oh. known you for, oh, scary, but probably 20 years. And um, back then, Burjo didn't have a computer. Hmm. Uh, computers were very new. Uh, the internet was very new. Um, and we fast forward to today, and here's Burjo with his smartphone tweeting every day. It's been an interesting journey for you, don't you think? Uh, <laughs> you sound sort of amazed, Trevor. I mean, <laughs> you know, <it> was, <laughs> and probably rightly so. Yeah, actually, I don't do it on. You've given me a bit of a rap there saying I do it on my smartphone. I actually do it. I have a laptop computer. Mm. Mm. Uh, which is so I'm still in the dark ages. You would agree. Uh, so that's that's where I post my Twitter and Facebook stuff uh, each and every day. Just a bit of nonsense, but yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, a lot of people are surprised that I actually know what to do, but only through your guidance, Trevor. But do people uh, often assume it's not really you? Because that's one of the things a lot of people, especially online, think about celebrities is that they're not actually you know, doing that stuff on their own, whereas this is really Burjo sitting there tapping away on a keyboard uh, sending those tweets. Yeah, well, I mean, if you read the stuff that I post, uh, people think, yeah, that's right, that's got to be Burjo. No, <laughs> so, 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 yeah. No, no funny, no, I, no, I've never had that... Uh, well, I've never got that impression, okay. quite honest with you. For people who don't know, you two know each other very well, as we just mentioned, for over 20 years, and you talk weekly on the radio. Yeah. And way back when, yeah, when Trevor remarkably found a woman to marry, <laughs> you basically acted as his best man in Las Vegas when they got married for the second time. How on earth did that come about? Yeah, well, we, uh, of course, they've decided to go to Las Vegas to get as you rightly say, Chris, uh, to get married uh, for the second time in the Little White Chapel. Yes. And uh, I think Elvis Presley, I think, uh, yes. officiated at that, uh, <laughs> which was quite remarkable, seeing he was already dead. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, we just decided, my wife, uh, Jan, and I decided we would turn up, and we did. Mm-hmm. So we just uh, got on the plane, and over we went, and uh, sort of surprised everybody at, at a restaurant in Las Vegas by just popping up and sitting down at the table. You recommended the yeah, good fun. You recommended the Bellagio to us. You took us to to see O, the Cirque du Soleil show, Uh, and we've literally, Berger, just booked a a trip, family trip now because there's three bloody whippersnippers around. Much more expensive to go out with three kids. Um, (laughs) uh, We're going to go and renew our vows later this year at the Little White Wedding Chapel. And um, it's, oh, it's, it's it, well, yeah, why not? You know, you don't go to Vegas that often. Well, with, as a couple, I go every year. Um, but you love Vegas, don't you? Because I remember you saying to me that you and Jan would go to Vegas quite, you know, now and then because you love travel. Uh, what is it about Vegas that you loved? Oh, well, it's just, it's an exciting place. Disneyland for adults, I call yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So it's a, a lot of fun. I mean, we're not, uh, we're not into gambling uh, at all, yeah, no, uh, no. really, but uh, we, we have the odd odd uh, flutter. But uh, there's so many great shows and, uh, and and fantastic restaurants. I mean, we've been, uh, the food there is uh, sensational. There's great chefs. So uh, that's what we, that's what we enjoy. But Burjo, I mean, there's, there's an opportunity here for days there is enough. Yeah. Wheel of Fortune, the stage show. I mean, you could be in re- residency over there. I mean, you could be one of the big heads on the side of a hotel somewhere. They have Wheel of Fortune poker machines. Uh, they do, yeah. They do. Enough, and, and every time someone wins, the crowd say, Wheel of Fortune. <laughs> <laughs> it's, quite, it's quite a weird. Yeah. But you... That's where the American, uh, Pat Sajak and, Pat Sajak and uh, Vanna White, who was mm. still doing it, by the way. Yeah. I mean, uh, and they're... Uh, 
well, Pat's got to be in his late 70s and Vanna's not far behind. Well, Ber- so, uh, Berger, I wanted to mention this, actually, because you're right, a lot of the American game show hosts are still going strong after, well, decades. And I guess here, hmm. uh, you know, catchphrase, well, Berger's catchphrase sort of stopped in the early 2000s. And there's a, a trend to um, use younger talent. You've got the Grant Daniels and, and even David Hughes hosting shows like that. Why do you think here in Australia... Um, you know, personalities such as yourself, proven performers, aren't still on and where they probably should be. Yeah, well, that's. A, I'd like you to direct that question to uh, <laughs> probably the the programming department at uh, most of their uh, yeah. leading uh, television stations. Uh, <laughs> I don't. I don't know why. Yeah. In America, they seem to hang on to their their talent. I mean, Bob Barker, who did Prices did mm. Prices Right, he was eighty four mm. or five when he decided to retire and gave it away. Yeah, and, Bridges uh, is another one, isn't he? Does, uh, the, as I mentioned, Pat Sajak, he's, uh, Pat Sajak's got to be in his late 70s, and Vanna White, the letter turner, is mm. certainly uh, close to CB70, I reckon. Mm. And uh, and the guy that does Jeopardy, uh, um, oh, Alex yeah. Trebecki, I think mm-hmm. he's, he's also in his late 70s. They hang on to their people because they know that uh, the people at home are comfortable with them. Uh, they've been accepted them in the in the lounge rooms for a lot of years and mm. they just stick with them yeah uh, but not here no we mm. we, we tend to uh, think once you get to a certain age you only appeal to a certain demographic and uh, and you're done with you know but uh, which uh, you know the reaction i get to my facebook and twitter stuff and what have you from uh, when i do uh, personal appearances and a lot of corporate work around the place. Uh, you know, the demographic is uh, is widespread. There's like forty to forty to death, I think. <laughs> which is still it's it's a very powerful demographic. It's an interesting because you do, uh, and people should know that you're you've spent a lot of your career in radio as well. Um, that's where we first met. You were you were hosting breakfast at TCH, which was a sister station yeah. at Two GB, where Bowen and I first met, and I was working at the time. Uh, You've since done shifts in in everywhere from you know Melbourne to now in Perth. Uh, do you? I mean, TV's. I'm guessing your first love, but radio is still a very big passion. Yeah. Well, passion passion is probably yeah, not a bad word, mm. but I mean, radio has always been my bread and butter. To be yeah, quite honest with right. you, uh, television's just been the icing on the cake. And I was very lucky. Uh, I started in radio way back in before. Both of you guys were born in 1965 <laughs> yes. uh, at uh, TW City. I was the first disc jockey to get a job at a major city radio station with no experience whatsoever, wow. and that was 51 years ago. So uh, it's, it's a uh, it's been you know a, a terrific road. But I was very lucky in the early part to, to get my head on television almost immediately, mm. and uh, then people could associate a face with a voice. So television has certainly helped my radio career, and uh, I would like to think vice versa. You've always been Burjo to the fans, but that young start in radio, I guess, coined the phrase Baby John Burgess, I believe. You were the youngest <laughs> on a particular station you were broadcasting on at the time. Yeah, I was the uh, TUW in Sydney. It T-U-W, was and, uh, right. a guy called Ward Austin. Was the, Ward he was Ward the Pally hottest Austin, jockey yeah. at the time. Yep. He had a nickname. He used to call himself Ward Pally Austin. Yes, so yep. he decided that maybe I should have one as well. But it started out that I was the youngest at the station. And I wasn't that young, by the way. But, <laughs> uh, I was younger than everybody else. Yeah. So he started by saying the baby will be on next because I followed him at oh, 7 o'clock right. in the evening. And uh, it went from the baby to uh, Baby John. It's a nickname that sort of stuck with me 
since then. Wasn't his demise quite sad? He became a real recluse, I think, living on the the, uh, northern suburbs of Sydney, up there on the North Shore. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, very sad. Bone uh, Wood, uh, he sort of virtually died alone. He fell down his stairs in his his house and uh, no one found him for uh, like about four or five days or something. Mm. That's just awful. Mm. And that makes me think of both the early days of radio and then I think of game shows as well. It's it's felt like uh, not a club, not too uh, collegiate, but everyone knew each other. You know, people talk about Gary O'Callaghan in radio. They talk about Ward Pally Austin. There's a bunch of people like that. And then in TV, certainly in game show. I mean... I am just still blown away by the fact that I've, A, got to meet you and, and know you as a friend, but also then I've done radio work with Glenn Ridge, um, who did Sale of the Century for mm. a long time. Um, you know, it yep. was you had Tony Barber, you had um, Terps. It's been a we, – we had a real love for game show hosts, didn't we? And I don't know that we have that anymore. There's certainly no love for Eddie Maguire or Grant Denyer as game show hosts. They're mm. just personalities, really, aren't they? Well, I don't know. That's, well, probably uh... – uh, Grant uh, came through another uh, area, uh, mm. of course, and uh, so did Eddie, really. But, but he's been uh, he's, he's been a game show host for as well as his other uh, the other things he gets involved in for a long time now. Because he started, uh, you know, with Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, mm. and uh, and then now he does Hot Seat and whatever. So it's been going for a lot of years. So um, yeah, it's uh, you know I don't know if I. would I called myself an out-of-work game show host uh, to a lot of people <laughs> these days, and that's what, because that's what I'm probably known for. But yeah. uh, I'd like to think, you know, we can all do other things yeah. as well. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just uh, reflecting back on the um, the the computer uh, learning that you had to go through in the early days, and and I'm not uh, um, not trying to put down your your abilities back then, but I'm I'm talking. Burjo and his beautiful wife Jen didn't have a computer. We got a computer and had to learn everything from the fact that when you move the mouse, the cursor on the screen moved to, you know, placing the cursor to send text. It's quite a, it was, for me, it was a fascinating thing to do, Burjo, to teach you guys the basics of computing. And I now, I'm sitting here thinking, um, I read tweets and I send texts and people send emojis, Burjo, you know, these silly little face things, right? You realize your wife was really the pioneer of that with that bloody email program she used called Incredimail? I mean, she'd send these emails that had all these funny faces and uh, laughing animations. She's basically the pioneer of the modern emoji. <laughs> I must let her know that uh, she'll be chuffed. Uh, and she's still using incredible mail, much to your chagrin, I know, yes. and at times me. Uh, but uh, and, and her as well, I've got to say. Yeah. She gets a bit upset for the moment. But, uh, yeah, she... Uh, she loves all those gimmicky things, you know, and, and she's right into, uh, you know, she uses her uh, smartphone, her iPhone, a lot, yeah. uh, sending uh, stuff, But as I, whereas I don't. You know, right. so mm. She's probably advanced, you'd be surprised to hear this, she's probably advanced further than myself. Trevor. Well, I'm coming to Perth next week, and I look forward to catching up with you both and uh, and get, getting oh. some lessons off her. Then, but what? So, what, what stops you with the you, smartphone? What, You've got what, one. Are you oh yes, I'll don't don't block your diary out. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> look out. <laughs> what um what stops you using the smartphone more? Then is it just because you find the laptop easier, or, or you just don't have the necessity to sit there with a smartphone doing those things? Well, I mean, the laptop's bigger. Yeah. I can see that. You can see it. <laughs> <laughs> That's a perfectly valid I point. Watch you, 
I see people watching football and cricket on their phone. I don't know. How the hell do you... you know, yeah, I don't know. I can't see the ball when I'm watching the tennis and things <laughs> on, on a big screen. I mean, no, there's too much wrong with my eyes, I've got to say. But, I mean, I, I, I just don't get that. Honestly, don't. So. Right, well, that's just me. Obviously, uh, your relationship with Trevor is based on tech, but we also love our cars here at EFTM.com. Um, <laughs> over the years, have you had a bit of a passion yourself for cars? Because you gave away plenty. Good point. <laughs> well, you've given away a few cars, but uh, yeah, I've owned a lot of cars uh, of different styles and types, and uh, that's where all my money's gone. That's why I've got, uh, I'm seeing here, Threadbare. Uh, at the moment, oh, and, come uh, on! Spent it, spent it all on motor cars. Yeah, <laughs> what you, was your favourite? What, what was your favourite car to to own? Oh, probably uh, the one I got the, the, the cars I got the most excitement. I I've had. Uh, I mean, I was sort of rocking around uh, Perth uh, in the mid eighties. I was, I fell in love with Rolls Royce. Don't ask me mm. why. And I, mm. and while the time I was here, which was just over ten years, I probably owned about seven of them. Yeah, right. And uh, I had yellow ones and blue ones. And, and why uh, the extreme colours? What, what makes what makes someone get a yellow Rolls Royce as opposed to a black or white or silver? You haven't seen that movie, eh? Uh, uh, yellow Rolls Royce. Uh, <laughs> oh, anyway, right, yeah. yeah. Google it, Trev. <laughs> oh, okay. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> I just uh, I bought the I bought the car. It was uh, I think it was from memory. It was white, and I painted a canary yellow and darkened the windows and put black leather seats yeah. in it and whatever. You, and, you know, it was just one of those things. You know, what is it with you, high flying radio and television? Yeah, wanker. You high flying television and and radio anchors uh, loved your Rolls Royces. Did you have some sort of relationship with John Laws? Because he had plenty himself. Yeah, well, that's probably set me off. Lawsy probably said because he had, you know, he had about four thousand cars uh, yes. in his life. Uh, but uh, no, I didn't really follow in what he he liked. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, Rollos and Ferrari, but a couple of three or four Ferrari. You had a yellow and, uh, Ferrari, didn't you? Or is that just me? Yeah, F three five five. That's the uh, until this new this new one that's now out now. Um, the Italia, I thought the F three five five was the prettiest Ferrari that they'd ever made, mm. and so I was delighted to to own one of those. And that was quite recently. But then I found I could get it in okay. Like you could just fall backwards into it. That yeah. was fine. Yeah. Was getting out. I was going to say because you, you're, you're, you're a, a big, big man. man. Yeah. When you put your feet on the ground and your knees are under your chin and you've got to force yourself up out of this car, I thought, no, this this is silly, Burjo. So yeah, that that went. Yeah, so yeah. Burjo, but. Uh, I just want to talk about people like you and longevity. I mean, you're still going in radio on weekends on a Saturday morning. Um, we've got the likes of Bob Rogers still in circulation, John Laws, as I mentioned, Alan Jones. I mean, these are people in their 70s and 80s in some instances. What is it yep. being behind the microphone that keeps you going and wanting to get out of bed every day? Because obviously it's almost like an antidepressant, I think, for some people when they hit that button in the morning. Is that, do you think that's the case? Uh, look, you're probably you're probably right. I mean, it's just uh, so, yeah, it's something that you enjoy, and, yeah, and something that I've been reasonably good at, I guess. Otherwise, yeah. it wouldn't have lasted this long. Exactly. I've always been of the opinion that if if, if you enjoy what you do when it comes to work, mm. uh, you're a very lucky person because a lot of people don't enjoy uh, mm, true. what they do for, for work, and they can't do anything about it. 
yeah. well, you know, I've been in the position where I, I could do something about it. I could have given it up, which mm. I did for a, a few years, mm. but then became a bit of a pest and not very nice to know. So my wife said, you're going back to work. You know, <laughs> so I did. Yeah. And, and how do you uh, keep yourself busy now there. then? Because the radio is, is a, a morning, Saturday morning thing. Uh, I'm sure you don't you don't want to be working you know seven days a week, but uh, you do do some you do some appearances, you do some work in the casinos. What sort of things keep Burjo busy in uh, in 2018? Well, I do some work for Crown here in Perth. Um, uh, I'm on Channel Nine a couple of times a week, uh, both locally and uh, and nationally. Mm-hmm. Um, um, just uh, you know. I'm, some form of uh, they find something for me to say something silly about. Because you're a man with an me. opinion. I you, <laughs> yeah. I'm sure I can assure you they use me for my novelty value, not for my intellect. Uh, <laughs> if you watch, you would realise that. Uh, I do uh, that just that one morning on uh, uh, six oak ten eighty six oak here in Perth, yep. uh, where we that's which is a, a music station. We've got a lot of music, and I manage to say a few more stupid things uh, there and have a bit of fun. And uh, and I do a lot of corporate stuff, uh, hosting uh, right. uh, either awards nights or if there's something to do with a quiz or a wheel, yeah. uh, people tend to, to <laughs> ring Burjo up. Mm. But people like Carlton Nobrary and Hyundai and Nab Bank and Westpac and Hyundai and stuff like that, you know, so... Uh, that keeps me on the toes. Because most of those are in the eastern states, so I mean it's nice to live in Perth, but uh, to travel backwards and forwards to the east uh, can be uh, can be a bit of a test from time to time because of course of the time difference and and the distance itself. But know, of course, especially in comfort, Burjo flying Virgin Australia. <laughs> Sorry. Well, in comfort, always but, flying Virgin Australia. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, Exclusively. Well, I wouldn't do anything else. <laughs> um, <laughs> let, let, just going back best. to going back to the wheel and other things, I mean, obviously, Reg Grundy yeah. had an, a massive impact on Australian television. And, uh, you know, that, that man created so many things and created an, a phenomenal business. Um, how did the, I guess, the relationship, how did, how did the wheel first come about in that sense? Because he, he's the man. Absolutely. Uh, yep. Uh, and such a nice uh, person in the business that we're in. Mm, uh, they're yeah. very few and far between, mm. I can assure you. But yeah. Uh, yeah, he's a good black uh, Reg, and uh, I was very fortunate to uh, to be given an opportunity. Uh, Ernie Sigley was doing Wheel of Fortune. It was on at 3.30 in the afternoon so, mm. uh, when Reg decided that uh, uh, that he'd give me a crack at it, and, uh, and he did, and I took it over, and uh, we moved it very quickly from 3.30 to 5 o'clock and then it went to 5.30 and that's where it stayed. And it was the number one rating program across the country for for all those years and uh, it was nothing for us to have a million people watching, whereas today mm. you get a million people watching you. The number one. What they call prime time, 7.30 yeah. or 8 o'clock, uh, you're doing uh, exceptionally well. You know, but, uh, but of course television watching has changed completely. Oh, of course. Yeah. As a, yeah. Because of stuff that you've mentioned, Trevor, yeah. you know, with iPhones and iPads and Laptops and and back then, you name it, there's a lot, lot of other things people can uh, can watch what they like to watch on. The industry know, was the, the industry was very different back then in terms of the way uh, personalities, let alone people, try to get into it. Did uh, did you have a manager or did Reds just come across you on the radio? How did you how did you land the Wheel of Fortune gig? No, I, well, I I didn't speak to Reg until after I'd actually got the job. Oh. Um, he uh, he turned up the first taping session that I did, but I I was doing. Uh, I'd always been, I've been very fortunate to be able to do some form of television when I first started in radio. The first television show I had was a thing called Turning On. Mm. It was a pop show in 
probably a prelude to Countdown, and it was uh-huh. on at 5.30 on Channel 7, mm. and we taped it. Uh, uh, we did five shows on one day, uh, Mondays, in fact, it was at in Melbourne at the Fitzroy Theatre in Melbourne. It was on Channel 7 at 5.30, and we promoted uh, really uh, all the, the up-and-coming Aussie bands and things uh, like the Billy Thorps and the Russell Morrises mm. and, and so on. So that was my first uh, four for uh, for taste of uh, television in a national sense, mm. and then I did you know Mrs Australia Quest, Mrs Australia Quest, Beach Girl Quests. Hello, uh, oh, hello, hello. what a gig! <laughs> what shocking and life! Then, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dreadful. And then uh, uh, I was doing uh, some uh, what they call. Uh, promotional uh, sort of things and uh, for a show called which was uh, a dating program uh, which was very big in America and they thought mm. they'd have a go here because uh, a perfect match and a couple of others were doing quite well this was Channel 9 mm. and anyway it didn't happen Kerry uh, Packer spent a lot of money on it but it never we made about eight or nine programs and spent I think he spent about nine hundred thousand uh, dollars wow. doing them that uh, never never saw the light of day. They're in a vault somewhere, wow. uh, and then uh, they said, "No, we're not doing it, Burjo. Sorry." And one week later, I got a call from the Grundy organisation saying, "Would you like to do Wheel of Fortune?" So yeah. that's how it's, that's how it, that's that's uh, how it came about. It was just uh, you know one door slammed in my face and another one opened. Yeah. And subsequently, did you become quite close to Reg? I mean, because he was quite uh, an elusive figure himself, a little bit uh, mysterious, and in his twilight years, basically lived out his life on his well ship. Basically, um, I'm tipping yeah, you knew him pretty well. Yeah, it was well. some yacht. It was yeah, yeah, exactly. about the size of the Queen Elizabeth II or something. Yeah, ship. But no, I, I mean Reg spent most of his time overseas. I've got to yeah, say, sure. you know, very didn't didn't come to Australia a great great deal. But when he did, he used to come to Adelaide where. We take Wheel of Fortune, and uh, mm. he'd always come and say hello. Mm. And uh, um, I launched. I was very proud to be asked to uh, launch his book. Um, that he he was an avid photographer yes. and a very good one too. And he released a, a beautifully uh, presented book of animals in in Africa, which he went and photographed. Mm. And uh, he asked me to go and uh, and launch that with him. Uh, that was probably the last time I actually saw him, which was. Mm. Um, you know, it was uh, seven or eight years ago, I guess now. It's kind of fascinating to think that uh, a show of the scale of Wheel of Fortune will be filmed in Adelaide. Well, um, what happened was, um, of course, television shows, uh, whoever decides to uh, pick up the format, um, Grundy's being uh, one of them, um, they did. Uh, they 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 sort of fanned that across the country. I mean, Sale mm. of the Century was done in Melbourne. Right. Um, Family Feud was done in uh, Brisbane. Wheel of Fortune was done in Adelaide. Uh, Perfect Match was done in Sydney. Uh, Neighbours was done in Sydney in those days. Uh, so that's that's it was a way of television a television station in a capital city uh, to earn uh, revenue. So what mm. uh, Grundy would do would be he would hire the studios. Right, of uh, for the time required to do the programs. Uh, then the television station will then buy the program uh, back off uh, Grundy's and then the television program would sell the advertising for that program. Mm. So it was sort of a, that's the way the money went around. You know? And Berger, when we talk about Wheel of Fortune, it's hard not to mention Adriana Exanides, who, of course, we lost yeah. in 2010 through illness. I mean, what a partnership you guys had. 
Um, that was a sad decline, obviously, um, but she was clearly a very talented and wonderful person. Yeah, she was, mate. Um, very sad day mm. when, when Adrian passed away, and I, I uh, just by a fluke, I happened to be in Sydney uh, mm. at the time, and uh, uh, I spoke to her. Uh, it was uh, in June, mm. and uh, it, was my, it was my birthday, actually. Mm. Adrian had a propensity to send you... Uh, texts at two or three o'clock in the morning because <laughs> she didn't sleep all that well. Yeah. Uh, that would be like uh, you know, like five phone screens are long, yeah. and uh, just talk, talking about different things. But she rang me to uh, or sent me a text to wish me happy birthday, and mm. uh, I said, "Well, I'm coming to Sydney." Mm. Um, it was on a Friday, and I was coming to. I said, "I'm coming to Sydney." On Monday, I'll give you a call and we, we should have catch up and have some lunch or something. Mm. I'm bringing my wife with me, so she'd love to see you. So she said, fantastic. On Monday morning, I got a phone call, uh, having completed the work I had to do at the weekend in Sydney, and uh, it was her cousin, who I'd never met, mm. who said, uh, I have to tell you, Joe, I'm sorry, but Adriana's in uh, in hospital and uh, she's not expected to last a day. I, wow. I could not believe wow. it. I could not believe it. So she was in Parramatta Hospital, so uh, we, uh, we we went out there and saw her. But she was in a she was in a they uh, operated on her uh, mm. her small intestine at birth, yeah. and uh, she that's where she had a lot of stomach problems yeah. in the last ten years of her life, and that was what kept her uh, uh, very very unhappy. Just and fifty four, fifty four uh, years anyway, old. Yeah, that's yeah. uh, emphysema mm. uh, spread very quickly and mm. uh, and killed her. Mm. So uh, she. I don't think she really knew. My wife says that uh, when I walked in and uh, spoke to her softly, she said that her eyes flickered for a moment, mm -hmm. but I didn't sort of see that. But uh, so I think she possibly knew that I was there. But mm, nice. And we left about 4 o'clock that afternoon because uh, there's absolutely nothing you know, we can do. Mm. It was a very sad time. And uh, on the way back uh, into the city, uh, I got a phone call about ten minutes after we left to say that she passed away. Mm, okay. Yeah. Do, do you think? So, do you yeah, think we sad. will? She was a lovely girl, and we worked together for twelve years. Yeah. Never had a blue. Yeah. Never, oh. never had a, a crossword, and that was uh, that's in the business. That, that's very uh, rare. Well, very I, rare. I, I, that's what it made that's me think about unusual. partnerships in the media, especially in television. I'm not sure that there's many. Certainly, in the current day, many partnerships that could even pretend to last twelve years, Burjo. It's probably something um, from a bygone era now. Those and, kind and of partnerships. plenty fake it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you believe if you believe what you read, yeah. you, you probably you probably go along with that. I, you know, like mm. a, a lot of it's mm. malarkey, I think, and they just make sh stuff up these days. But mm. um, yeah, you're probably right. You're probably right. It's uh, we had we had a great uh, great time together, and and. And uh, very successful. Joe was extremely successful, so it was good. Burjo, I mean, I've got a really important question. Why did we always refer to the N as being Finelli? That's... <laughs> I mean, it's just—it's such Finelli. a strange thing to say, N Finelli. But it's—it feels just common common sense to me now. But uh, as a kid, yeah. I'm thinking, who the hell's Nelly? <laughs> well, my mother's name was Eleanor, and. Um... It's shortened to Nelly, believe it or not. A lot of people called her Nil. Right. Uh, and uh, if I wanted to annoy her, I'd call her Nelly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, you did that plenty of times. <laughs> she copped Nell, but she didn't like Nelly right. that much. But uh, 
I don't, I don't know. It's just the N vanilla. It just rolls off the tongue just like that, you know. Mm. So N for Norman or N for nuts. Or... <laughs> <laughs> N for Nelly. N for nonsense. Now look, let's let, maybe it should have been. Let's talk about M. Well, I go on with a fair bit. Let's talk about M for Mo. I mean, you probably had the most famous Mo outside of Merv Hughes, and then it disappeared one year. Uh, if Twitter existed back then, it would have gone into meltdown. There was drama everywhere. People weren't, weren't happy about the removal of the Mo. What brought about that, Virgo, no. and how did you feel about the backlash? <laughs> yeah, well, I think uh, you probably left John Newcomb out there, man. I think Newcomb, oh, John Newcomb is another one, yeah. His moustache was probably more famous than, than mine. Uh, of course, mine looked like an eyebrow. I'd come down for a drink. <laughs> his was quite fully grown. Um, look, I, we went on holidays, and I decided to grow. Uh, I did, decided not to shave for a couple of weeks, and I... I grew this, uh, looked like tumbleweed, if you can imagine what that looked like on my face as a beard, yeah. and it was a strange colour. Yeah. Uh, but the mo sort of uh, grew a bit better, so I shaved the beard section off and, and, and kept the mo. I was asked by, uh, here's a plug, uh, Phil Shave, who make those electric oh, razors. Oh, yes, uh, good plug, good plug. Said, good plug. You, yeah, which is shave. I thought I'd get in before you, Trent. Yeah. <laughs> I was saying, it was a commercial <laughs> deal. This is an outrage. <laughs> uh, they said that if you shave your moustache off, we'll give $10,000 to the Children's Hospital. Oh, it was great. the Channel 7's Teddy Bear Picnic in Sydney yeah. this particular year. So actually, Adriana shaved it off. <laughs> uh, so the kids uh, got ten grand. And on the way home on the plane, uh, a hostie rocked up and said, oh, Virgo, gee, you look younger without that moustache. Oh. So that was good enough for me. Yeah. I never grew it. I said, oh, I'm never growing it back. <laughs> but I did grow it back yeah. for November. A couple of years ago. A couple mm. of years ago. Uh, Schweppes, there's another plug. Uh, oh, this, asked me uh, if I'd uh, grow my mo back for November. And for every bottle of uh, uh, natural spring water they sold, they'd uh, make a donation yeah. to the Movember cause. So uh, I shaved it off for 10 grand and I grew it back. And Schweppes wrote a check for one hundred and ten thousand dollars. So uh, with inflation, I guess that's about right, isn't it? Mm. That works pretty pretty reasonably. Absolutely. It's mm. um. I just think Burjo. And then I shaved it off again straight away. Yeah, so. didn't you? What, <laughs> yeah, no, November the thirtieth, Gonski. <laughs> yeah, I look like a yeah a, a wanker. I'd already used that expression, but I did. I thought. Yeah. Well, self-described, Burjo. Self-described. Um, <laughs> look like an axe murderer. <laughs> It's um, look. I just think, Burjon, I'm I'm lucky to know you. I think a lot of people loved watching you over many years, and I'm sure the people of Perth and those people that tune into today when you're on uh, enjoy seeing your your big mug. Um, I, I, I'm fascinated. You know, it's kind of John Farnham-esque to me, Burjo. The the audiences that you have. You know, I, I love Farnham. I've always been a fan. But you go to a concert, and he takes the Mickey out of the fact that he's got you know three or four generations of fans there. Mm. You know, of of many for many people. And I, Burjo, I remember bringing my mum to Channel Nine Studios um, in I guess the early 2000s. It would have been near the end of Catchphrase, and she got she was just in raptures to see oh. Catchphrase in action. Um, you yeah. know, a lot, a lot, a lot of people loved you then and still love you, Burjo. Uh, it's, it's a great career that you had, and um, and I, I, I'm just proud to have known you. And I think that it's fascinating to to get that little bit of an insight under the under the well, behind the scenes there of the man with the blue Rolls Royce and the yellow Ferrari. Yeah, well, that's very that's very kind of you, Trevor and uh, and and Chris. I, I really appreciate the opportunity, and uh, I mean. 
I still get lots of people want a selfie and come up to me in the supermarket and stuff. Can I shake your hand, Virgil? Yeah. And I treat that as an absolute compliment. Yeah. And uh, and we'll always uh, we'll always say yes to uh, you know, some people in my business get a bit upset yeah. when people want to come come over in restaurants and things, but not me. I, I, I just, it is an absolute compliment. When they stop doing that, that's when I'm going to start to worry. But, Burjo, just, just remember, <laughs> it's over. It, it's... You, you do become a bit of a pest, Burjo, when you start asking people for it to have a selfie with you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Trev. Good yeah. on you. Burjo, yeah, the listeners and the viewers are your currency, and you do show them a lot of respect. And you've got one of the most recognisable heads in the country still, which is a testament to you. We appreciate your time, Burjo. It's been fascinating. But it's, uh, it, as I said, uh, it's very kind of you. Uh, I really do appreciate the interest and uh, every success uh, with uh, yet another uh, Trevor Long, Chris Bowen project. I'm sure it'll work just fine. Thanks, Burjo. You're listening to the EFTM podcast. EFTM.